on. Bow your heads right now as we just begin to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for that awesome worship. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in the midst of your people. And God, I ask that your word will be spoken over your people today, God. I ask you that you would open our spiritual ears, God. You would unharden the hearts, God, that you would remove the distractions. And that you would become the sole purpose of our time right now, God. That's all I'm here for is you. I came for nothing else, God, but to do your will. I came to do exactly what you've called me to do in this church, God. Let that be the heart of every person here. We're here to do what you desire, God. Nothing else. In Jesus' name we pray. I want you to look to your neighbor and say, don't talk to me unless pastor tells you to for the next 30 minutes. Somebody shout, amen. Amen. The Lord's really been just stirring my heart up. I believe with all my heart, the greatest things that God wants to do in the next coming months, uh, I believe with all my heart that it's going to come from the ordinary man. If you look at all the great things and the great moves of God that God has done, historically every revival, every great thing that God has done, every mighty move has come from common men or illiterate men. Now, thank God most of you can read. You can just stick with the common man. I believe that what God wants to do is going to be tremendous in your life. Somebody say amen. One of the few times you can talk right there. That's it. But I want you to listen as I want to be able to just speak to your heart today about what God is speaking over the body of Christ, not just this church. I believe with every fiber of my being that we are on the precipice, the threshold of a great move of God that the church as a whole needs to prepare themselves corporately and individually. I believe that there has to be a level of individual preparation and corporate preparation. Somebody say amen. It would be foolish of us to declare God's going to move and we make no plans in which to let God move. We make no leeway for God to operate in our lives. God shows up to those who are willing to prepare themselves for him. I want to say that again. God will show up to those who are willing to pay the price, to those who are willing to prepare their hearts. I hear so often, I don't feel God move, but you're not willing to put in the time it takes to see God move. And God desires his people to be ready. I want to tell you the story that you might have heard before. It's a man named Joshua in the Bible. And Joshua, he's picking up this story we're picking up in a very unique time in in Joshua's life where Joshua his best friend Moses he just died and he's trying to obey the Lord and do everything God has called him to do Joshua is in a unique place because he no longer has the guidance of Moses but he has the voice of God prophetically I believe this story is significant because Joshua carries the people of Israel into the promise that God had given them 450 years prior. 
not just through Abraham, but through Isaac, and then reminded through Jacob. If you go through the whole lineage, about 700 years prior, God had made a promise to Israel. And now the task is up to Joshua. And I believe it's significant because I believe that we are a Joshua generation of Christians who is tasked with the responsibility of taking forward the will of God into the promised land. It is time for the church to get up and take the land as God has required. Amen? Some of you don't seem too excited about taking the land. I am excited about that. Because I believe when Christians take the land, the crime rate will drop in Bridgeport. I believe when Christians take the land, I really believe prostitution will stop. Drug addictions will break. I believe that things will begin to happen if Christians would just take the land. I'm talking real church, not just in the building having fun. I'm talking living it out there, doing the will of God in the streets all across the cities. And Joshua is preparing to take these people into this promised land. He's crossed the Jordan River. He's circumcised the whole nation. And now next up on Joshua's list is Joshua has to take a city called Jericho. He has to go and attack this city called Jericho. And we're picking up the story right there in Joshua chapter 5. If you would turn your Bibles or your smartphones or whatever else, Joshua, I'm in chapter 5. I'm in Joshua, the fifth chapter, and I want to read verse 13 to you. And I want to point out some great things that might really shock you. Some things that might really, oh, I didn't know about that. Here it goes. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho... He looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And then Joshua, he fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals. For the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Somebody say, and Joshua did so. Up until this point, in chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4, Joshua has done everything God has guided him to do. And the next step is naturally to fight his first battle. Listen, you're not going to walk into the promised land and not face a battle. You're not going to walk into God's promises and not face a fight. You're not going to be able to get all the blessings of God and not face difficult times. It is through adversity God blesses. It was when the church was persecuted God blessed them. It was when bad things happened that the greatness of God was shown unto people's lives all throughout Scripture. And Joshua is in a tough path because Joshua... He's had a lot of military experience, but he's never had siege experience. Joshua has no catapults. Joshua has no battering rams. Joshua has no marching, moving towers. Joshua has arrows, spears, and slingshots. They didn't even have a lot of swords. This is all Joshua had. Arrows, slingshots, and spears. And Joshua is looking by himself. He's scouting out the city. He's already sent spies in. He knows the people inside the walls are scared to death. 
Bible says in Joshua 2 that the spies were speaking to a woman named Rahab. And Rahab said, listen, everybody around here knows what God did to Egypt for you. And we are scared. Our hearts, the Bible says, their hearts were melted in fear of God. Can I tell you a secret? That the devil knows what God has done in your life. And although the obstacles may seem big, the people behind them are scared. The walls may seem tall, but Satan behind them is kind of hiding. He's afraid. He's attacking first. Or somebody should have got a shout because he's afraid of you. He's afraid. And Joshua is sitting there. He's probably even crouching. And the Bible says this, that he looks up and sees a man. Understand that in Joshua chapter 1, God already told them, my promise is with you, my presence is with you, and my power is with you, Joshua. He told Joshua many times, be strong and courageous. Five times, Joshua's told, be strong and courageous. And I always thought to myself, don't God know who he's talking to? Joshua won so many battles, and you're telling Joshua to be strong? But God knows what he's doing. And Joshua is facing a situation that if he bypasses Jericho, all the women and children are without defense. Some of you are trying to bypass some things in your life. You're trying to bypass a struggle, bypass a fight, and God says, cut that out. Face it now. I will guide you. I will help you. Because if not, when you pass it, it's going to come and attack you in behind. Satan has a way of coming from behind because Christians have a way of not facing their issues. And what you've done in the past comes to bite you in the butt. Somebody say amen. Amen. Understand this, that Joshua knew Jericho was a problem, but Joshua drew near unto it anyways. And Joshua went by himself first. Listen, don't tell folks to do something you're not willing to do. Joshua went first. He said, I'm going to go scout out the land. I'm going to go look at the walls. And as he drew near, he would have an encounter with God. I came to tell someone today that as you draw near unto the problems of your life, God will draw near unto you. If you avoid them, God avoids you. If you want to have a tangible encounter with the living God, run headfirst to your fights. Go forward. Forward is the direction of faith. Move forward at all costs. Go forward. You may seem ordinary. You may seem unassuming. You may look least likely, but God says, in my strength, I can do something with you. And so Joshua, he goes and he's scouting out the land. He draws close unto the promise of God. This Jericho is the first promise of God. It's the first piece to the promise. And God is sitting there waiting for for Joshua. Do you realize that, that God is waiting for you at the place he has told you to go? The angel of the Lord is waiting for you in the place he has told you to go. And the longer, I believe with all my heart, that angel was there for over 700 years. God promised it. His word went. The angel said, and God told Moses, I'll go before you and I'll go after you. So in Egypt, when the Israelites left it, that angel's been waiting there ever since. It was the same angel that Jacob saw at Peniel. It was the angels that that was in the, the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. The Bible says the face of the angel was in the cloud. At one point, the Bible says he stuck his head out the cloud to guide the people. The angel of the Lord is waiting for you in the place he's called you to go. Are you with me today? And so Joshua, he has gone to scout out the land. 
He is drawn close to the place where God has promised. And Joshua must be looking at this place and he says, man, God, you told me I would take this city, but I got nothing. I got slingshots. And, and these city walls were so thick, you could probably ride two chariots side by side on top of these walls. That's how big the walls were in these times. And he's like, God, this is a walled city. All the cities in that area had walls on them, but this one was the biggest. And he says, God, I don't know what to do. And God, I don't have a battle plan for this. I don't got nothing. I don't got a battering ram. I don't got siege towers. I don't got no catapults. I don't got nothing. And as he is standing there, the angel appears. Understand this. God's trying to bring you to a place where you don't know what to do in order that you might lean on him. Joshua had no way, possibly humanly, of winning this fight. God desires for you to lean on him. Solomon echoes this in Solomon, or rather Proverbs 3, 5, where he says, lean not on your own understanding, but trust in the Lord always. Acknowledge him in all your ways. If you're facing a fight that you don't know how to fight, that is perfect. That is perfect God material. That is perfect God moment. That right there is what God loves. God's been waiting for that. If all the problems you face, you can handle, you're in the wrong place in life. I feel like sometimes God is like that last little kid on the bench that nobody wants to pick. And like, who, who else wants to play? Me. Me over here. Me. Me. And then finally, you have no choice. I wish you'd be honest. That's how we as Christians are. We try everything first, and then we don't have a choice. God, I don't know what to do. And God's like, yes, I wanted to play. Thank you so much. I wanted to play a role in your life. Besides visiting my house on Sunday, I wanted to play a role in your life. And here is Joshua. He is probably on a hilltop of some sort, and he meets this angel of the Lord, he realizes that he can't win this battle, he can't fight this battle, but he draws near, and when he draws near, he encounters God. James 4, 8 declares that if you draw near unto God, he draws near unto you. Jeremiah 33, it declares that if you call unto him, he will answer you, and he will show you great and mighty things, and he will show you hidden things and fenced in things, and God says, if you would draw near unto me through prayer, through fasting, through the reading of your word, if you would draw near unto me, I will fight this battle for you. Joshua, he sees this man, and Joshua, being the fighting man he is, he says, whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? And this angel, he says something that would really mess me up if I was a Christian. It really would have messed me up. He says, neither. Here's this angel. The Bible says his sword is drawn. He looks like he's ready to fight. If he's an Israelite, he's way off where he should not be. If he's an enemy, Joshua knows it's time to fight. But it turns out he's the angel of the Lord and he says, I'm on nobody's side. I'm not on your side. I am on nobody's side. Joshua is faced instantly with the revelation that this is an angel of the Lord. Some believe it to be an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. He's having a God encounter like Moses at Sinai. He's having a God encounter like Abraham at Mamre, like Jacob at Peniel, like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. He's having a God encounter and Joshua immediately senses this and he drops to his knees. And the Bible says he lays prostrate. He laid face down before the Lord. I won't do it here for you. I had to preach. I just, 
He laid prostrate before the Lord. Laid down, face down. Joshua encountered God when he drew near to the problems that he had no means in which to address. But having faith means you're going to head into places that you don't know what to do, but know God has called you to be there. I'm in a place in my life where there's things that I don't know. I don't have the answers. If you need somebody with all the answers, go to a different church. That's not me. I'm waiting and leaning on God. There's things that God wants me to do. He hasn't told me how. God gives me step by step. God's not going to give you the whole plan because then I don't need him. God wants step by step instructions. Some of us want to encounter God on the road of life called my plan. But you will only encounter God on the road of life called his plan. The road that is narrow, the road that is less traveled, that's when and where you will encounter God. You will not encounter God in your own strength. You will not encounter God doing whatever you want to do. You will not encounter God in your own life plan. If you want the real direction of God, you're going to have to hop into his will. You're going to have to get into his place. And some of you have been struggling for months and years, and I'm telling you today, you need to get on God's road. There is no time to waste. Time is short. The lifespan of a man is 73 years. If I gave you a dollar for every hour you lived, you would not even be a millionaire. Life is short. Life is too short to be playing games with God anymore. And Joshua asked the question and he says, whose side are you on? And this one really befuddles me because you would think, you would think, that God is on your side. And I came to tell someone today, God is not on your side. God is not on your side. That's why when you get into a fight with another Christian and you pray against them, oh, whose side is God on? They're both Christians. God's not on your side. If another pastor hates me and, and, and we end up getting a fight, and God's not on my side. We're both saved. Whose side is God on? God is on God's side. The real question is, Joshua, whose side are you on? Will you walk in my will? Will you do what I've called you to do? The Bible says, if God is for us, then who can be against us, right? The word there is if, if he is. If you are in God's will, he's for you. If you are outside of God's will, he ain't going to be for you because God won't bless the mess. Mm. That's called sound doctrine. Because he says, I'm not on your side. I am not on your side. I am the commander. I am the general in charge. I am that guy. Joshua, you are not that guy. I am. He could have said, Joshua, I am on your side. If you would like my help. He said, no, I'm on nobody's side. I came here to fight. I was here before you. Your army should either go home. Or get in line. And I feel with all my heart, the Lord sent me here to tell someone today who's been bickering with God, he is not on your side. He is waiting for you to join his. He is waiting for you to hop into his will. He is waiting for you to get your life together. He is waiting for you. God is not your ally. He is your master. God is not your friend. He is your father. God is not your buddy. He is the king. And sometimes when you speak a relational gospel, you think too much of Jesus as my best friend. 
The Bible says he sticks closer than a brother, but he ain't my brother. He considers me a friend, but he is my king. I am not in charge, he is. And some of you are trying to live your life giving God all your diagrams, all your blueprints. This is what I want, God. This is what I need. Come, come, come. Give me what I want, God. You spend hours praying and your prayers are fruitless because your prayers don't align with the will of God. And sometimes God will give you what you prayed for in order to show you it's not what you need. And then when you get it and your life's a mess, you're like, but God, you gave this to me. You gave me this car, but now it's getting repoed because God didn't want you to have it because he knew you couldn't afford it. But in his great mercy, he'll let you learn a lesson. I wish somebody understood that right there. That's for all of Bridgeport. Stop buying stuff you can't afford. Just don't lease that car. (laughs) Don't do it. Can I get an amen on that? Just amen. Whose side is God on? He's not on our side. We have to be on his side. You have to make a choice to live on the side of righteousness. You have to make a choice to live on the side of holiness. You have to make the choice to live on the side of living a life that says, I will not keep on falling into sin. I will not keep on working the way of the world. I will not keep on acting like the devil. I'm going to live righteously for God. I'm not going to keep on sleeping around. I'm not going to keep on falling into drunkenness. I'm going to walk the will of God. Ask your neighbor, whose side are you on? That's the question of the day. Whose side are you on? If I had longer here, it would be better. I'd be like a, a video shoot here. No? Okay. Sorry. All right. Back on track. I'm going to have to edit that out of the sermon. Amen. Whose side are you on? Became a point in the life of Joshua where he took and drew a, a line on the sand. And he said this. He said, choose you this day who you will serve. Are you going to serve Yahweh, the God of our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Or are you going to serve the God of the Canaanites, Perizzites, the Hittites, Jebusites, and all the false gods of the land? I came to ask somebody today, who are you going to serve? Because ordinary men cannot do extraordinary things for God if you're living a life that does not please a holy God. And he says, whom will you serve? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. At all costs, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. It's hard serving the Lord. You will go through struggles. You will go through fights. You will go through all types of things. I'm excited because next month, in the month of rather uh, October, it's our church anniversary. And for that month, 28 years in ministry and and still going strong. We've never been at a higher point. All glory to God. I'm, I'm going to preach four weeks on a series called The Heart for the House. And you're going to find out exactly what it costed this church to be here. What it costed the forefathers. What it costed people on a daily basis to make this work. You're going to find out there's a cost to what we're doing. I'm not talking finances. I'm talking life. There's a cost to serving God. Are you with me today? And the angel of the Lord, he responds to this question in a way that would really f- mess with my head. Neither. 
When I caught this revelation, I, it kind of changed a lot of the way I have to pray, a lot of the things I have to do to find out that God is not on my side, but he desires that I would be on his side. That, that's a revelation that I need to get myself in order. People that you hate, God doesn't hate them. People you don't have forgiveness towards, God forgives them. So he's not on your side. You know, God needs people who are all in. God needs all in type people. Nothing is more dangerous to the kingdom of hell than someone submitted to God's will. Someone who's 100% in. God's looking for some all in people. God's looking for some like ride or die type people who say, God, I'll go into hell with a water pistol if I need to. Whatever you are calling me to do, God, I will do it. God is looking for radical. God is not looking for regular because the world is full of regular. God wants radical. God wants the crazy people. God's looking for some of those faith-talking believers willing to tread through fire and brimstone, willing to go to the hell of life for the sake of the gospel. That's who God wants. That's who God wants, and that person is you. If you would set yourself on fire for the kingdom of God, if you would say, you know what, I'm on your side, God. God, I am with you. Who'd you walk in here with today? By yourself? I know I walked in with God. God did not come here because we came here corporately. He came because everybody individually on the worship team and on the staff, we seek God daily. We, 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 we race after God's heart. We spend hours in prayer, and I'm not saying it to get accolades, but we spend time in the presence of God. And at my house, God's there. And when I'm in my car, God is with me. And when I'm at my job in my office, God's there. Because I'm willing to pay the price. Tell somebody next to you, God's looking for some ride or die people. That's what God wants. God wants people, like God wants you to be his Bonnie to his Clyde. I'm just saying. God wants somebody to run and gun with him. That's what God wants. It sounds crazy, but God wants that level of commitment. Most folks look at Bonnie and Clyde and they were psychos. God's looking for some crazy people. Because crazy gets things done, I'm just saying. You know, if you walk up into the middle of the ghetto, the projects, and they're all fighting, and you just start tongue-talking, they're going to look at you like, you're crazy. They ain't going to hit you. They're going to be scared of you. That fool's crazy. No, I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Whose side are you on? Joshua, I find this funny. Joshua says to the angel, what is the message that the Lord has for me? Joshua's looking for a battle strategy. Joshua's looking for a battle strategy. This is funny because Joshua thought he was in charge. And so he figured that the battle plan would come to him, but Joshua was not in charge. And the only instruction he received at that point was, hey, bro, take off your shoes. That's holy ground. Really? I would have been like, really, Lord? You sent the angel to tell me to take off my shoes? I didn't even got socks on. I got socks. I'm just kidding. I'm just, you know, I like to insert myself into the Bible sometimes. What I would have said. That was me. Take off your shoes. Uh-uh, boy. This is all sandy and dirty. These little rocks here. Uh-uh. What you want? What's the message? But that's the message he got. And to you, that might not mean a lot. To you, that might mean nothing. 
But to Joshua, immediately Joshua would have understood what just took place. And I bet you most of you just missed it. The angel said, take off your shoes. If you look back in the book of Deuteronomy, it's, we see it in, in, the, in the story of Ruth and Boaz. And, and you see it that when Ruth, this lady named Ruth in the Bible, her husband died. And according to the Mosaic law, the law of Moses, the husband's brother had the chance first to marry the woman and take the land. Are you with me so far? That makes sense? Amen. But Ruth fell in love with some rich dude named Boaz. And she was gold digging, but that's fine. I'm just playing. And the Bible says that in order for Boaz to marry Ruth and to take the land, the Bible says this, that he had to first get the other man to relinquish his right, to give up legally, give up his right to inherit the land. How did he do that? I'll show you. Ruth chapter 4 verse 7. Now this was the custom in the former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off of his sandals and gave it to the other. This was the manner of attesting in Israel. And so when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, meaning take the girl, take the land, he gave him his sandal. And the angel of the Lord is standing there and legally Joshua has the right to take all of Canaan. It was a promise of God. And he says, what's the instruction from God? And he says, take off your sandals, meaning give up your right. Give up your right to fight. Give up your right to choose. I came to tell someone today, you will not gain the promises of God. God desires to gain them for you. God desires to take control of you. He wants you to give up your rights so that he can fight the battles for you. So that he can instruct you. So that he can take all the things that he promised you. And God is not a man that he would lie. And if you, if you would allow God, if you would allow God to get in your shoes, your life will never be the same. It was at that moment that the life of Joshua went from ordinary to extraordinary. And Joshua became the victor, the conqueror. It was then after he relinquished his right, he received the battle plan to march around Jericho 13 times. It was then and only then, after he had relinquished his rights. And some of you, you're trying to live your life on your own path. You're trying to live your life with God's blessing in your own way, in your own wisdom, in your own desires. And God sent me here today to ask you, would you relinquish your right? Would you give up your rights that I may have control of your life? Would you let me finally work through you? As the scripture says in Revelation 3, I stand at the door and I knock. And any man who opens, I will enter and I will sup with him and I will break bread with him. That's the desire of God. And Joshua, he says, what's the message that the angel of the Lord has? What's the message? And in essence, the, the angel says, give up. If you want me to really dumb it down for you today, I'm asking you to give up. 
to give up on yourself. <laughs> give up on your own will. Give up on your own way. Newsflash, it's not working. Give up. This world is full of examples of people doing it in their own will. Our entire economy is built on people's wills. And we see it collapsing piece by piece. God says, give up that right. Give up your right. Give up your right to decide who to hate, who to love. Give up your right to decide who to bless and who to not. Give up your right to decide who to forgive and who to not forgive. Give up your right to decide what you do with your time and see what God does with your life. Give up your right to always be lazy spiritually and never read your word. Give up that right. At some point, your idea of believing God has called you for something greater and your lifestyle has to connect. You cannot always say God has called me and never live a way that says I am walking towards the call of God. Give up your right. Relinquish your rights. His plan is greater. His plan is better. His plan will take you to places you never dreamed of. In that moment, Joshua went from ordinary to extraordinary because he relinquished his right. Understand this. The Bible says the angel of the Lord told him, the ground you are standing on is holy ground. But he wasn't even standing. He was laying prostrate. He was already worshiping. And so some of you say, well, pastor, I'm worshiping. I love God. I do this. I do that. But you've not relinquished your rights. And he was already laid out before God, the Bible says. And he says from the floor, what is the message? And God said, take off your shoes. Worship me even more. Give up even more. Some of you have given up some things and God says, I don't want a piece of you. I want all of you. As the old adage goes, God wants full custody. God, he's playing for keeps. He wants you. He wants all of you. He doesn't want just a part. He wants all. That's the God we serve. A God who says, I have a plan for you. If you would relinquish your rights. You know, I remember when I was being ordained by Bishop John R. Thompson. And I was sitting at the altar and they had me sitting in this chair. And they began to anoint me in my head with oil. As they sang the song, I give myself away. And in that moment, I began to cry because I realized I was truly giving myself away. I was truly surrendering everything I was. And, and ever since that point in my life, I've tried my best and I fail at times, but I've tried my best to walk the exact path that God has for me. I've tried to find God in the places where I know he is at, where I know he's called me. And sometimes those places are uncomfortable. Sometimes those places are not fun to be at, but I know what God has called me to do. And in that moment, I realized that I was all in with God. I realized that God wanted all of me. Before I had prayed on my own strength, I had fallen to my knees at times. And when I was a, a teenager, when I was really young, I remember being at Jimmy Swagger's church in Baton Rouge. And I remember the moment, the day, I remember everything where I really gave my all to God. But in the process of time, sometimes we forget what all means. And I remember in 2010 when I was reordained and I was sitting there at the altar and they were pouring the oil over my head. I remember saying, God, this time I'm giving my life away. 
It's a tough thing to give your life away for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I relinquish all my rights to my home, to my cars, to my money. Nothing belongs to me. Me and my wife, I, I really live by that principle. Nothing is mine. It belongs to God. I've given everything away. That's why tithing and offering, it's not hard for me. I'm not trying to brag. It's, that's not hard for me because it's not mine. I look at it like this. We say, well, why does God want 10%? I'm like, man, he gave me 90. I'm, I'm good. Because <laughs> some people want, give me 50. I'm good. No, no, no. God just wants 10. And he gives me that because the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So my view of it is 100% of my paycheck belong to him because he's God. But he was good enough to give me 90 if I gave him 10. That's not a bad deal. I'm just saying. That's better than taxes. Somebody say Amen. I gave everything. Giving everything means sometimes you're going to have to do things you don't want to do. Go places you don't want to go. Not every day do I want to preach to your beautiful faces. Some days I want to kick them. I'm just kidding. But some days, you know, you just don't want to come. Some days you don't want to sing. Some days you don't want to play the piano. Some days you don't want to set up a, a, a whole sound system in your life. Some days you don't want to do it. But when you've submitted your life to God... Your little complaints about life don't really matter anymore. I cannot wake up in the morning and be like, I'm not going to go. Because I have been tasked with a job. It don't matter what my Saturday looked like. I don't care if I was fighting with my wife. I don't matter what it looks like. Sunday morning. It's the Lord's day. And I am tasked with the responsibility. And on Monday morning, I am tasked with the responsibility. And Tuesday morning, I am given a responsibility to live holy for God. There's times where I have to wake up at 2 or 3 in the morning. Times I got to go to the hospital when I don't want to go. Times where I got to do things I don't want to do. But I am called to do it, and I do it with a smile. I do it, and I do it with a smile. Because Colossians 3 Verse 23 says, whatever you do, well, in whatever you do, do it with a good heart. Do it as unto the Lord. What am I saying? What, what am I, what, Pastor, what are you saying? God wants you to give up your rights, just like Joshua did. The things that you've been looking for in God. You see, some people come here, and you come here, and you feel good, but when you go home, it's like everything's a mess, and you come back next Sunday desperately looking to feel good again. And God says, that's not my plan for you, to go week to week, high to high. That's not my plan for you. The problem is, is that when you're in here, you're not in control. The church is, from the leadership on down, we're in control of God. Rather, God's in control of us. And so when you come in these doors, you know God's here. I don't know about you, but that worship team, they brought God even deeper. They took us in. They had a freaking trumpet player. That's not normal. This is a rock band with a trumpet player. That's, AJ, you did good, man. I'm just saying. I was like, what? What? He wanted to wear a sombrero. I was like, no. Just, he really did. I'm not kidding. I told him a mariachi suit, yes. <laughs> but what am I saying? God wants you to give up your rights. That means, this is tough because when you give up your rights and, and when you really get drawn nearer to, I know I'm drawing nearer to God because he bothers me more. 
meaning that when I'm sleeping at four in the morning and I literally feel God just like, and I'm like, what, Lord? He's like, it's time to pray. I'm like, no, I just fell asleep. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on. And God will, sometimes, he, I'm, I'm being serious, sometimes it's gentle and sometimes he just shakes me. And those days I wake up like, mm. I could pray in my bed. I, sometimes I feel like God wants to push me out the bed. It's like, no, go and go to your private prayer room and I want you to pray. Because when I relinquish my rights, everything belongs to God. That's what, I don't fall asleep reading the Bible because it's not my time, it's God's time. Joshua said, whose side are you on? And he said, neither. I'm not on your side. I'm not on the Canaanite side. I'm on my side. Whoever's on my side, God says, I'm on my side. Will you join my side? That's what he says. And then on top of that, when the angel of the Lord, he said, what's the message? He said, give up your rights. Could you imagine you go before the Lord? You're like, God, what do you want from me? He's like, sign over your house. You're like, What? Give away your car. What? Yeah, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Because that's what Joshua did. He gave away everything. And in a couple of minutes, I want to ask you if you give away everything for God. Some of you have been living half in, half out, hopscotching your way through God's will. And God is like so tired of people living half in, half out. And God says, my fire has one setting and it's hot. God says, my glory has one setting, and that's full. My presence has one setting, and that's overflowing. My promises only have one answer, and that is yes to those who live according to my desires. Would you bow your heads? I don't even want you to stand up right now. Just bow your heads with me right now. Come on, don't even look around and worry about nobody else. I know he's here right now. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 26, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose his soul? What does it profit you to gain everything you ever wanted but lose everything you need? I know some of you have been struggling with your faith and some of you have been struggling with seeking God and some of you want to see God move. And as a church, I know we want to see God move, but some of you aren't willing to pay the price. And today I ask you, please, for the sake of the gospel, will you obey the voice of the Lord today and give up your rights? With every head bowed, every eye closed, don't look around you. If someone next to you stirs, don't look up. I want you to make your decision today. I want you to make your decision today as you want to draw closer to this Jesus, this dying Savior who has laid down his life for all of humanity and paid the price of sin that you could never pay. He did it for you. He did it for me. And right now he is here. His presence is with us and he stands here and he declares, will you give up your rights so that I may dwell with you and that I may carry you on the path of life that I have predestined you for. And if you want that, if you are saying, Pastor, with all my heart, I want 
what God wants. I want to surrender my rights. I don't care if you're ushering. I don't care what you're doing. And you're saying, I want to surrender my rights to God. Would you stand with me right now? If that's you, you're going to stand up. I want to surrender everything I am to God. I'm tired of half in, half out. I want to surrender everything. I want to surrender everything. Now, if you have stood up, I want you to take a great step of faith, and I want you to come here to this altar. I want my ministers and my uh, and Janet and Jose and Pastor Carmen and Rose. I want you to line up right here. We're going to lay hands on every single person here today who is saying, "You know what? I want God's will." If that's you, come on, make your way to the front right now. I want God's will. I desire God's will. I don't know about you, church, but I've tried this thing called life on my own. And it served me no good. Come on, press on in this room, this room. Come on, press forward. Help them out, Melvin. Press forward. You're saying, I want God's will. I want what God wants. My God, come on, he's here. He's here. Come on, some of you have been in, some of you have been out. Some of you are more out than you are in, but God says, come on, come on in. Press into me because today is your day. I'm relinquishing my rights. I'm relinquishing my rights. If you are here at this altar, you're saying, God, I'm giving up my rights. My rights to hate. My rights to be unforgiving. My rights. I'm giving up the right of my life. God, wake me up if you want to pray. Push me to seek you. God, whatever you desire. Come on, don't leave until you've been prayed for. Come on, begin to pray over them. If you're here right now, lift your hands up as high as you can. You're saying, God... God, this is it. Let this be the day that you never forget that you made a commitment to God. This is the day you will encounter God. He's standing right before you. He's here. We feel him. We know he's here. Come on, if you're in your seat and you're filled with the Holy Ghost, I dare you just to start praying over these people. Extend your hands to them. Begin to pray for them. Come on, decisions are being made for Jesus Christ. Young and old alike are standing up. Saying, God above all. God above all. Come on, if you don't know what to pray, just say, God, I surrender. God, this is it. I don't want to look back. I don't ever want to look back. God, I just want what you want. God, I just want what you want. I just want what you want. Father God, have your way in every single heart that is here. Every single heart that is here. We're pretty much just saying, God, I'll take off my shoes for you, God. God, I'll do your will, God. When you beckon me, I will call you. God, when you call me, I'm going to answer. God, when you command me, I will go. I will go, Father God. I will go, Father God. That's right. Just let it out. Come on. Keep on praying. Just seek him right now. And when they come and pray over you, emotionally, you might feel nothing changed, but God says everything is changing as you're standing there. Everything's changing. Bondage is being broken. Marriage is being restored. Everything's changing right now.
Everything's changing right now. If you're here with your wife and you both came up, I want you to grab hold of your husband or your wife. I want you to stand with them. That's right. Just grab hold of them and say, you know what? I'm doing this together as a family, as a unit. We are a family and we are joining into the presence of God. We are committing our lives to God. God first above all else. Father God, you see every heart. You see every heart. You know their struggle. You know their pains. Bring healing right now, Lord. Bring healing over their lives. Bring healing over their hearts, God. Come on, he's here right now. Just talk to him. Whatever your struggle is, surrender it to the Lord right now. God, I've been fighting way too long. I've been running way too far. But God, I'm back. I'm here. I'm standing in need of a touch from you. I'm standing in need of your word. In need of your touch. know his heart today. sing this out to him I want to know your heart for my life God this is it love is so much come on anything I've tasted I want to know Tell him right now, I want to know. Come on, on anything I've tasted. Come on, sing it out, church. 